another edition of the Goat Zoom Room. I'm Caitlin Free, and he's Andy Villanueva. We have a jam-packed show today. We have jockey agent Jose Santos Jr., who represents David Cabrera, Alvin Jimenez, and Raylo Gutierrez. With Sam Houston beginning later this evening, we are also going to be joined by Raylo Gutierrez himself very, very soon. Sophie Doyle and Lindy Wade are also going to join us for the show, and we will finish up with Stable Duel's Brian Howard to break down the Gulfstream Park's Grade 3 Tropical Turf Stakes and Santa Anita's Grade 2 La Cañada and the Grade 3 La Cienega Stakes featuring Neil Drysdale's trained Alexandra. But Andy, before we get started on all of those topics and bring in our guests, there is one thing I want to take a couple minutes to acknowledge. Um, let's discuss the great Goldakova who just passed yesterday. Yeah, it's it's a shame because she was probably the one of the first fillies that um, really uh, you knew when she was basically the super filly before Wings and she was a super filly before, um, you know, Zenyatta and all that. And I think that she was such a such a classy mare. And the other day I was looking at it and I was I was thinking when when they announced that I'm like, you know, I think I saw her in the paddock oh I, I definitely know i saw her in the paddock but i was thinking oh well maybe i saw her somewhere else and i'm like maybe whittingham's barn and then i was thinking i'm like no that was misalleged so you know different styles but two classy mares and really really a shame that goldakova ended up ends up passing away at such a young age really sucks and she was still in the highlight of her broodmare career she didn't really produce very much her dam of course produced her anadin and galicova but she was in full to galileo at the time of her passing um nothing really has been released about her death so i don't know if she passed away foaling i don't know if like there was colic or if she just collapsed or something i really have been waiting to see if i can get some more details but i've yet to hear anything i just recently released my mayor report for 2020 and she was on there so that was something that was really really shocking and unfortunately since we haven't really heard anything about a foal i would imagine you know i don't want to speculate but i would be willing to guess she probably unfortunately lost that foal as well yeah it's it's a shame because you know um it would have been nice to have one more gold cova baby but mm -hmm. sadly it isn't and uh, hopefully at some point in time you know, we get a, a situation where we get one of her babies to actually produce something nicely. Yeah, absolutely. She's got a two-year-old colt right now by the name of Layman, who I believe has just entered training. So we'll, sh we'll see him later this year or sometime next year. So she's, I think, I believe that was her last fall. I don't think she fold last year. So that kind of makes me suspicious to wonder if something happened with a foaling because she wasn't in full last year. So she would have been covered early. So she had to have been close, but like I said, don't want to speculate. I'm really not sure what happened to her, but still sad nonetheless. And now um, in the GOAT Zoom room for the first time in 2021, our first uh, guests are Sophie Doyle and Lindy Wade, who are both going to be riding at uh, Sam Houston Race Park for the upcoming meet. And thank you guys for taking the time to come on, come on uh, right before tomorrow night. So thank you guys for joining us. It's been, uh, you know, we, I personally have seen Lindy at Sam Houston a couple of years and um, Sophie, you've been in the Midwest for a little bit of time. What, what made you guys decide to both come out to Sam Houston this year instead of maybe other racetracks? Um, I mean, I've been, I've been coming here since uh, 2011. Um, I actually, 
that was my first year here. I came here and I've loved it ever since my first year. The weather's so much better than where I typically typically go in uh, Chicago or Hot Springs. Um, this kind of became kind of like a home to me. You know, I really I really enjoy the weather and the season here. The racing is real nice. And for you, Sophie, obviously it's your first year here at Sam Houston, other than coming into Right Street Bend last year and that thrilling finish in the in the ladies classic, but um, Obviously, one of the reasons is because you guys are getting a lot of calls this meet, but also because you guys are recently engaged. Is that correct? Um, not quite engaged. Okay. We have, been, we have been dating for a couple of months, uh, but I ended up, I had um, Danny Caldwell, who I was riding for in Iowa. He invited me to come over to Remington and ride for him for the meet. And then I was supposed to go to Oaklawn but we kind of had a change of plan. So we decided that I would come here to Sam Houston for the winter meet, and then we would meet back up again in Iowa at Prairie Meadows. So it was, uh, it's a good idea to probably follow, follow the business and the people that I've been riding for at Remington and keep things rolling into to this new year. And let's talk about this year with Sam Houston Race Park. Bigger purses, obviously. It's obviously starting to become uh, some form of a place to be as far as like the riders are concerned. The jockey colony this year is pretty impressive and so are the trainers. Uh, can you touch on, on how much it's changed since you've been here, Lindy, for the last nine years? Man, so when I first got here back in 2011, um, there was just Texas trainers, people who did here, Lone Star and Rotoma Park. Um, and now it's it's gradually changed so much. Um, even last year, it was the money was just as good last year as it is this year. But the the colony wasn't the the jock colony or the trainers weren't nearly as stout as they are this year. Um, so I guess everybody saw last year kind of what um, what Sam Houston produced and decided to uh, to make a change. I mean, Hot Springs is getting tougher and tougher every year. So, I mean, I think that makes it, you know, a little easier for some of the riders and trainers to come here. Because, um, I mean, it's not as tough as Hot Springs, but it's definitely getting stronger every year, every year we go on. And Sophie, I know that you used to ride at Fairgrounds and at Arlington Park, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, obviously there's different surfaces. You've been on dirt, you've been on synthetic. Can just based on the time you've been here at Sam Houston Race Park in the mornings, how do you feel the surface is as far as its safety and everything else? Um, the track here, I feel like it's very different to what I'm used to. Um, I find that it's a bit more of a sandy based track as opposed to all the other dirt tracks that I've been on around Kentucky. And that, of course, the synthetic at Arlington and Turfway Park as well. So it's... Um, I've only raced two dirt races on at Sam Houston and the rest of the races I've rode there have all been on the turf. So it'll be another new experience, just like going to Remington and riding at Prairie Meadows. It's another new dirt track that obviously has its own way of racing and conditioning for horses. So far in the morning, it's been really nice to ride on and all the horses have gone well over it. It's been pretty good. And Lindy, what about you? I mean, you've been, you've been at this track and I've had, I've had discussions with people on the West Coast about this track, and I, I think it's probably one of the fairest tracks on the circuit. 
And not to mention, uh, the turf course is probably one of the top five in the country. I mean, you pretty much took the words right out, right out of my mouth. Um, it's definitely, the turf course is definitely one of my favorites to ride on. I came straight from Arlington um, here. So Arlington's a very nice turf course, but in my opinion, I mean, there are different types of turf courses, but this one is, is my favorite um, of any of the turf courses I've ridden on. And the dirt track is, I would say it's one of the safest I've been on. I mean, you knock on wood, you rarely see anything crazy go on here, you know, as far as horses um, having mishaps on the track and whatnot. Um, so that's, that's always comforting, you know, especially when you're a rider to know that you're, you're on one of the safest tracks around. Definitely. I, I definitely uh, had a conversation with somebody on, uh, from Santa Anita about two, three weeks ago. And they were talking about Sam Houston and how they were going to have some of his horse, some of his horses were going to be sent over here with Jonathan Wong. And I said, you're not going to find a safer race course. I go, I've been covering it for the last three years. I go, I think I can count on the number of my, on one hand, how often I've seen something happen in the morning or in the afternoons on the, on the dirt course and the turf course, I think it's only been a handful of times. And in all honesty, nothing, it, it's probably, I've never seen a, a racetrack that's been so well maintained with through nine months of no racing. I would agree completely. Um, I mean, I think one of the things I look at, too, is um, Steve Asmussen. He sends a lot of his young horses here to get ready. Um, you'll see, I mean, horses with big names, you know, across the country, but they get their start right here. I mean, so to me, that that says a lot. I mean, that guy knows knows a lot, in my opinion, and um, he sends a lot of them here because he knows this is a safe track for them to, to get their foundation at. Now, when you had your bug, you used to ride a lot of Steve's horses, right? I did in Chicago. Yes, sir. In Chicago? Did you yes. ride any out here in Texas? I thought you were leading rider at Lone Star, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, in 2013, I was. Um, he, gave, he, gives, he still gives me a handful of shots here and there. Um, but I've never been his go-to guy around here. When I was in Chicago, I think him and my agent had a very good relationship. And he threw me a couple of good bones early when I first got there. And it kind of got me rolling and um, then other people kind of latched on and it just continued from there. Um, so that, that definitely helped. And Sophie, obviously last year with the emergence or the last couple of years with Street Band, um, your name has gotten out there and I saw you write at Arlington before Street Band. I, I've known that you've been one of the top female writers, but you're also one of the top writers as far as race writing is concerned. And you finish pretty well on, I mean, not pretty well, you do finish well on horses. And now that you're here, uh, you know, what trainers are you, are you riding for right now? Um, who do you, else are you going to ride for here? Because I know Danny doesn't send a lot of horses here. He's pointing for Oakland. So what, what barns are you looking at right now to ride for? Um couple of the bands have been more of the local people here, like Mindy Willis and Terry Eoff that I've been riding for, and I did well for at Remington that I've picked up quite a few in those two bands. But pretty much, I'm quite widespread, really. I don't have a specific barn 
other than when I was at Remington riding for Danny's two trainers, Oscar Flores and Freddie Villafranco. But most of the time, we're pretty much quite widespread and ride for anybody. And so it's quite nice to have those options and that you're not just tied down to one person. So you can keep as many people as happy some days. Um, but I've also, you know, when I was riding street band, I was able to still travel around the country. And I'm thankful that I had her for the past two years, because I think if I had a had her for the later of last at the end of 2020 and going into this year, I might be struggling probably to go and ride at some of the tracks because of all the new regulations and testing that we have to do. So that would be tough to do. But, you know, this the end of last well, last year and this year is going to be probably some new tracks that I haven't really you haven't really seen me ride in there before. Um, and that's just purely because of everything that's been happening with the COVID. I've ended up going in a different direction than Kentucky and like this winter. Normally I'd be at the fairgrounds, but this year it's brought me to Sam Houston. So it's just been nice as well to stay at one track for a couple of months. And then like right now we're at Houston for the next three months and then I'll head up to Iowa again and possibly ride there for the rest of the summer. I, I was happy to, to hear that both of you guys were coming back this year. Um, just because I think, I think, I, Caitlin hasn't followed Sam Houston as often as I have, but I think Lindy's, Lindy's style of writing is so good that you know exactly where you want his, when you know you have a horse that, that he's on, you know you're going to get 100% and you're going to get that with Sophie as well. And I think that's totally. so important. Um, now, I was doing a little research. Now, you rode Ivan Fallen Off a lot, right, Lindy? Yes, I did. I rode him a couple times for Mr. Tom Howard. Uh, how do you, do you have any, any stories or anything? Only reason I'm asking is because I, I've, I've been lucky enough to see him at Old Friends. And okay. he's quite the handful as far as <laughs> being kind of cute and cuddly. But has he always been that professional type of horse? He was very playful around the barn. Like he was a horse where I remember playing with this when multiple times I remember walking up to a stall and he'd stick his tongue out and you pull his tongue and you know, <laughs> suck it back in and then he'd stick it back out and you pull on it. So it was like kind of a game. But um, I said, well, they asked me to gallop him one day. I said, this, this guy is, he's okay. You know, he's, he's playful in the barn. Oh my goodness. He pulled me. I could not, I could barely control him. <laughs> You guys, I, I will ride him and work him in the mornings, but do not ask me to gallop him again. I can't do it. I said, well, I got lucky I got by him once. I don't think he'd let me do it again. So those were those were good people. Um, Tom and Kathy Howard, they were they were good to me. Um, I think I got lucky and got that mount because they go way back um, with my mom um, when I was young. So they knew her as I was growing up and things like that. So they gave me an opportunity on him. So that was pretty cool. So, Sophie, um, I know that you come from the United Kingdom. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, but you could have chosen to ridden ride out there. How come you chose to come out here? Is there a reason? Yeah, there was quite a few reasons. I actually rode in England for the first part of seven years of my career. And then I was also traveling out to Dubai and Abu Dhabi to race out there for two winters. And then um, following the third year of my year of traveling, I decided to go out to America 
and I was in California at Santa Anita for three months. And I kind of, when I came back from that trip, the season back home didn't really go as well as I would hoped. So I decided to fly back out to America for the following winter for three months again. And I decided from that point on that I would like to try and move out to America and kind of reboost my career. And I knew that America had so much more to offer with the amount of races that they had. And I did try my hand at staying in California at Santa Anita, but at that time in 2013, it was very, very tough. So I decided to move out to Kentucky, ended up working for a trainer called Kellen Gorda and his assistant who now trains, John Ortiz, he just took me under his wing and taught me the American style of riding, um, which I still have my, some of my English techniques of my own riding style, but he did get the good foot under me, you know, the good foundation and different style of riding. And it was, a, you know, the style that American trainers are more accustomed to than the European style. So it took me a while to really get things rolling. And I wanted to, when I decided to come back riding full term again, I wanted to be in a position where people wanted to use me and not just look at me as a European rider. So it, it took a couple of years longer than I would have liked to, but you know, like anything, it just takes a while sometimes. And all the time that I spent back then getting things rolling, it's now really stood me in good stead with what I've achieved since then. As far as a handicapping angle is concerned, I've, I've seen it now that I've been on the Midwest more than I've been on the West Coast. But a lot of times out here, trainers don't work horses as often as they do on the West Coast. Is that a plus or a minus for you guys as far as not having to get on as many horses in the morning? Or do you guys still get on a lot of horses in the morning? We both still get on a lot of horses out here. Um, I think even when I was in Kentucky, you still got on a lot of horses. And to be honest, we don't really mind it because you're working in the mornings to keep your business good in the afternoon. Um, it is tough though on someone you've got race days and you're working with like nine or 12 horses in the morning and then go and ride in nine to 10 races for the evening. But keeps you fit and while you're young and you're able to do it, why not? You might as well work. You feel the same way, Lindy, as far as that's concerned? I do. I do. Um, I think it's good for me. It keeps me um, mentally sharp in the game. Um, my timing and things like that. Um, for me, riding a horse, riding a race is not like riding a bike. Um, it, it takes me to I have to stay mentally sharp on top of it um, and be in the game and focused in order to perform at my best. Um, I've, I've found that out throughout the years of riding. I can't just show up and expect to be a hundred percent. And that might just be me, but that's, that's the way I am, you know? And are you guys looking forward to anything during this meet as far as certain horses that we should be looking out for that you guys have been on or, is that kind of hush-hush? <laughs> Probably, um, I'd, say, I'd say the two of us are most looking forward to riding the finish together again and seeing who, who can win the most races against each other. <laughs> Is there ever any arguing going on back and forth? Or are you guys pretty much, not arguing, but kind of like trying to see who's the best and who ends up having to cook that night and all that? 
I'd say we're pretty competitive, very competitive. And um, just like Katie and Trevor McCarthy have encountered um, with what's going on with Naira Gaiman, that we kind of feel for them too, that, that when the two of us are against each other in a finish, you couldn't find two jockeys trying harder to beat each other. <laughs> I mean, so I, we're pretty competitive. I find it completely ludicrous that that situation happens, especially with all the uncoupling that happens with owners. You know, Rapoli could be named on five, on five different owner, on five different horses in a 12 horse field. But he has five different other owners' names, so they don't couple them. But you can have, you know, two different, you can have Norm and Mark cast in the same race, but you can't couple them. It makes absolutely no sense. I feel for you guys. I mean, my my sister used to ride at Woodbine and Santa Anita and all those places. And I know that she, I know that when we were speaking the other day, she was upset about it as well, because it's like, how are they supposed to have a personal life if they're not able to have a personal life kind of deal? And so I feel for you guys, because I know how, I know that you guys have to go out every day and race ride or else you guys lose business. That's what people aren't understanding about this. Yeah, that was going to be my one question for you guys was like, what is your take on what is going on up there with the whole coupling thing? When I saw that, I was just like, I was honestly shocked because I've never heard of that ever because they don't really couple entries that often anymore anyway for the circumstance, whatever it is. But when I saw that they had to be coupled together and they ride in races together every day, I was just like, this is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of. It was really bizarre. It's in... It's not like it's the first time they've ever rode against each other. They've ridden right. against each other for many, many years. And just because they're married, that's not going to change the way one another ride at the finish against each other. Just the same for Lindy and I. We both ride as hard as possible down the, down the lane. And especially if one of us is in front and you know you can beat one of them, we're going to ride there and try and get there. But at the end of the day, you know, we get past the wire and you're happy and you're smiling and you have fun together so but that doesn't change when we're riding a race when we break from the gate like i've said before in another interview there's no love when that gate opens we ride a race as jockeys and we ride a finish as jockeys and whatever goes on behind closed door in our personal life doesn't change that so out of curiosity the the greatest the greatest story i've ever heard between two jockeys is between shu and cory nakatani and Corey was race riding one day against Shu when he was a bug rider. And Corey thought he had a ton of horse under him. So he got next to Shu and Shu kind of looked over to him and he kind of whispered to him, you think you're going to win this race? And Corey looks at him and goes, oh yeah, I got a ton of horse. And he goes, okay, I'll see you at the finish line. And Corey took like a half a length lead. And then all of a sudden Shu said, all right, bye. And took off on the horse. <laughs> Didn't even bother to barely even moved on the horse and the horse opened up too. And from that day on, I had more respect for Nakatani realizing that he probably wasn't, wasn't going to beat Shu. But the fact he told us that story was classic. Do you guys do that as far as say something to each other? Or do you I'm guys gonna, just keep so it I'm going to let her tell the one story we do have <laughs> on the turf. The turf race. Oh, the turf race. Well, the one when you beat me the first mm -hmm. time? Yeah. Yeah. I was um, 
was riding one for Danny Caldwell and he claimed the horse for 75 at Canterbury. And this was an allowance race and I'm up front making my move, coming down to the wire and I think, right, I've got this, we're gonna win. This is great because he's a 75 claimer running against allowance horses. And just as we're about to get there, I hear Lindy's breathing. He makes this noise down the lane. So I know it's him coming. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, don't you dare, don't you dare. And he nails me right on the wire. So as we're galloping out, I'm mad and frustrated because I'd ridden four or five horses for Danny that night. And that was the best chance we had to win. So we pull up next to each other and I just looked at him with like this death stare and just said, really? Like, really, you had to do that? Come on. And I just rode off. And he's thinking, uh-oh, uh, uh, what am I supposed to do? Um, but we've, uh, we've been pretty good at since. We've kind of finessed yep. those things a little bit more. And we've actually ridden a lot of each other's horses because of it. Sometimes if Lindy's not available, I'll ride them. And if I can't ride the horses I have, I try to push to have Lindy ride them. And that way we keep it in house together and make a lot of money together. That, that always Love works. It. <laughs> well, we can't, we can't thank you guys enough for coming on, on on a Thursday afternoon. Well, this will probably be up and running Thursday night, but we really appreciate your time. And I know I'll be at Sam Houston probably every day because I help with Sharpie time once in a while and help with the picks, but I wish you guys good luck and I'm glad you guys are both out here again this year. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We look forward to the season. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you too. Bye. 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 Enjoyed the intermission. We are back now with jockey agent Jose Santos Jr. who represents David Cabrera, Alvin Jimenez, and Raylu Gutierrez, who also joins us today. Welcome in, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having us. So glad to have you on. I just have a quick question, real quick, because it's boggling the mind, and I didn't want to do it on Twitter, but now everybody knows that I'm asking this. How many how many riders do you have, Jose? Five. So you got you got Ray Lou, you got Alvin, you got David. Who am I missing? Declan Carroll and Ken Tohill. Where's to Where's Ken at? He's gonna be at Oakland. Okay, and Declan's at Fairgrounds. Yeah. Dang man, I used to get tired when I had three riders at the same place when I used to hustle. Yeah. Play. Now you got them like all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's uh. Just a lot of computer work, but, you know, the way I see it, most people have a nine-to-five job. They're on the computer all the time doing that. So I just pretty much put in those same amount of hours. Caitlin, you got anything for these guys? So do you do a lot of your work from home, or do you travel with a lot of them? Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not really as familiar with how Jockey Agent works. Like, I mean, I kind do of a lot of my, like all my computer stuff. I just, you know, I do while I'm at home, but I go out to the tracks in the morning and uh, right now I'm at Oaklawn. That's where I'll stay mainly. And then I'll come check in on Ray Lou probably every three weeks and, you know, go check in on Alvin, Declan as well. So just kind of hop around from there. But I, I like being in Hot Springs. You know, it's probably one of my favorite places to be in the wintertime. So try to stay around here. I mean, it's only a six-hour drive to Houston. 
Yeah, yeah, it's miserable though. We learned that me and Rayleigh, he he came and met me over in Hot Springs, and we drove down to Houston, and there was no highway at any point of it at all. So what? Yeah, no. Was it just back roads. Straight back roads the whole time. So, we didn't see a highway till till we got from Hot Springs to Texarkana. There was highway, but that was like an hour, and then after that, it was just straight back roads. Then it's just straight back roads on 59 all the way down yeah. until you hit. Until you hit um, Beltway, and then you just come straight into here. Right, straight in. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. It was raining too. We didn't have fun. Yeah, Texarkana to Houston is like the most gorgeous drive because you see farms and tiny woods and all that. We just saw rain. That's always it's a three-hour tour that you feel like Gilligan at sometimes. You know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't for me. I'll definitely be flying, and I'll let Rayleigh pick me up from the airport. <laughs> Raylu, what made yes, you decide sir. to come out to what made you decide to come out to San Houston? Uh Joe. I mean, um I see all the work, the good work that Joe does, and um I feel like he's changing the game. I feel like uh for my for my future and for his future to be, you know, to work with him is uh is definitely a move. I mean, I'm, I consider myself, you know, an innovator in source and he definitely is, and just seeing where he's going and what he's doing, I'm, you know, he uh, to having five riders. I just feel I believe I really believe in that. You know, some people don't, some people have their own opinion, but um, the way he works, it's uh, and nowadays you can work officially from your computer, and uh, I've had the privilege to work with you know agents like Matt Musiker and, and Jimmy Riccio, where it's you know I I've never seen them, and since I was a bug boy, I've really never seen my agent. So I mean, you know, if, if Joe doesn't come for a month two months as long as you know he's over the phone doing his thing I mean I actually feel super comfortable with that you know because that just means that hey business going good he just he doesn't even have to be here and um the work he's done with David um you know when he reached out to me it's just I, I'm not really familiar with the Midwest and I had to really study up on it and then you know looking up uh how he's done with David I mean when I saw that he wasn't coming back to Houston I said you know I really jumped on it and you know Joe's very persistent he asked me you know right after the Saratoga meet he asked me to come out this way and I was a little hesitant at first. I've always been a New York boy, but, um, you know, again, working with Joe, I mean, you, you just get excited. You know, you don't know uh, where your career can take you working with an agent like him. And it's, you know, I've always been a firm believer. It's, it's not jockey racing, it's horse racing. And uh, he's got contacts everywhere and uh, he can get me on good horses that, you know, can just take my career to, to new heights. I guess one other question I would have for you, Jose, is, is five enough? Are you going to pick up any more? Uh, are you juggling a lot right now? For me, it's just the circuit. You know, the Midwest circuit works for me because a lot of the trainers that I deal with have horses at every track I'm at. So, like, you know, for instance, he's riding some for Carl. I got mounts for Carl at the fairground. You mounts for Carl at Oaklawn. Ron Moquet, you know, same thing. Uh, John Ortiz, I got horses for him at Oaklawn. Horses for him at Turfway with Alvin. You know, so it just kind of works out to where – I'll call a trainer and they're like, all right, let's go over the book. We got five here, seven over there, you know, and then once I've got my main clients figured out, I just go race by race and just try to find the best horse. It's going to work out best. I think, I think one of the things that a lot of people that follow racing may not understand is how much work an agent has to go through on a daily basis and not only that, but you got to be a politician, right? I mean, you, you got to, I mean, I've got, 
I think I've posted it on on Twitter a couple times. I've had situations where I've literally, when I used to hustle book at Los Alamitos, I had trainers run me out of there with a pitchfork because I got off of one of their horses because I wanted to go to a winner. I wanted to go to the winning horse, you know? Um, And then you have to go back and you have to tell them why and explain it to them and then be buddy, buddy with them again. But to have five, I mean, I was, I used to get tired with three because I'd have to be, how do you deal with, no offense, Ray Luke, because it has nothing to do with you, but how do you deal with the egos of those jockeys? Because I know I had a hard time with it. Yeah, I'm lucky. I mean, no, no single jockey I work with has a like crazy ego. So I've had riders like that. So I know what you're talking about, but like of the guys I have right now, that's just not the case. I'm in a pretty good spot with that. I've definitely had riders that way. I know what you're talking about, but I mean, that's any, yeah, I mean, it's not just riders. That's probably any, you know, business thing, you know, I mean, there's agents with egos, you know, there's everyone's got an ego to a degree, you know, it's just, uh, definitely. I'm just in a, you know, got lucky to be in a good spot, you know, that's kind of part of the rider I look for, you know, because what I'm doing, they got to be okay with what I'm doing as well, or it's not going to work if they're not comfortable. So personality is definitely something I'm looking at as well. Ray Lou, how excited are you not to go through a New York winner this year? Well, you know, fortunately, I've always been able to do very well at Aqueduct. You know, I finished fourth my first year and sixth my second year riding there. So, it's you know it's not really a big deal uh long island is actually much warmer than rochester new york where i was born and raised so uh but i mean when i look outside when i go outside to be able to run outside in houston i mean it's it's gorgeous here i have nothing but good things to say about this city and uh but i am looking forward to it and you know again just working with joe i mean i'm i'm very very excited for this meet is is there any place in houston that that you've been to that you're like man this food is just bomb (laughs) uh not really, you know, I've really just been in focus mode. I'm kind of in a hermit. So, uh, you know, I've just been some stuff close by, you know, I put myself in an area where like the gym's close and these, you know, a lot of these convenient things like Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, which is actually very neat here. You know, I love the Bed Bath & Beyond here for some reason. But uh, other than that, I mean, not yet, but I mean, once I once I get riding and, you know, get a couple days to, to just relax a little bit, I'll definitely sightsee. I will say though, there's like, food everywhere this is like food heaven i feel like this city because there's an in and out what a burger and five guys within like a mile of each other i've never seen something like that oh i know where you're at you know that's that's like that's like the mecca of foods and that's not even touching it you're not even inside the yeah i'm in uh, the circle yet i'm in willowbrook yeah okay yeah, between those three which one are you picking five guys for sure i mean i'm not i don't really eat burgers but like if i I actually like tried in and out and I'm not a fan. So I just go with five guys. Me either. And so many people, when I lived out in California for two years, they're like, Oh my God, you don't like in and out. I'm like, it's overrated. And their fries taste like cardboard. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, there's no seasoning on it. At least, you know, uh, five guys put some seasoning on it, you know, but I got a protein burger, which is like a great idea, but just like the burger is just, mm, just not it. Jose, how often are you over at that diner across the street from Oakland? Which one? There's a bunch of them. Oh, geez. What's, God, what's the one right next, right there? I forgot the name of it. They got Higdon Ferry. Uh, I, I think I know which one you're talking about. I think it's called Grandma's. Yeah, that's it, Grandma's. I've only been once. 
Really? Like in the five years I've been here, yeah, I've only been there one time. So I'm not much of a breakfast guy. I'm more lunch. More lunch. Kind of, kind of wait around till lunchtime. I'm an eleven o'clock eater. Drink a lot of coffee before that. So, what are you predominantly there all year, or do you have other places you stay? Uh, I keep a place year round in Louisville, Kentucky. That's a uh, when I started first became an agent. You know, full time. It was in Kentucky, so that's kind of become home recently. I went to college over there. So I have a place there year round. And then I had a place in Oklahoma City this year. Uh, my girlfriend lives over here in Hot Springs. So she's got a place over here we stay at. But yeah, mainly mainly Louisville. Do you, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you've done quite a bit on your own as far as, you know, getting your name out there, getting all these writers and all that. Is there anything your dad said to you that that kind of is in the back of your mind? Like, yeah, I need to remember that. Yeah, be honest to people. You know, people are going to get pissed off at you if you mess up or take off a horse. But, I mean, if you're honest with them, then there's only so much they can really be mad at. And if people aren't aware of who Jose Santos is, uh, Junior's father is, he is the great Jose Santos Sr., um, he's in the Hall of Fame, right? I do. Yeah, so. yeah he's in the Hall of Fame. I wanted, I wanted to make sure I said that. Because yeah. He got inducted in 2007, the year he retired. Wow. I mean, that, he could race ride. Oh, yeah. He's a man. Ray Lou, do you get any tips from Jose, from either of them? I actually, you know, I actually asked Joe for uh, his father's number a while back um, because I really appreciate the way his father rides. He had a always kept his hands up and like a very tight hold on the bridle and you know every rider has a different style you know like I read he'll he'll leave his reins really long you know but it, it's just every way but I feel like his father was an exceptional turf rider and he could just get a horse to relax and just be right there um one of my favorite horses that, especially that he, his father rode is cryptocurrency I mean crypto clearance love that horse and uh just so I've reached out to Mr. Santos and when I was when I was a bug boy in Florida um you know, he was there and I'd always see him and just have quick conversations with him. And, you know, he's, he definitely helped me out a lot. Yeah. He always has a smile on his face. Always. He's a very, a yeah, he's a very genuine he's, person. He's a happy dude. That's for sure. <laughs> so what, what, what is your goal for Sam Houston, Ray Lou? I mean, uh, humbly speaking uh, my, my goal is obviously to be at the top. Um, you know, coming with an agent like Jose, I, I don't see any other expectation that'd be, uh, un, you know, unrealistic. You know, when you get someone like him to work, uh, you know, with you, it's just to be number one or two. You know, and, uh, you know, but every, with every opportunity, I'm, I'm really grateful and for everything, you know, that, you know, to, to come here and uh, to ride every race on, uh, on Friday. I mean, that's really lucky. And uh, I don't think you ever put your, you think of that situation that's going to start out like that. So um, I'm, I'm really grateful for that, but uh, just for like, just, just working with a guy like him, I mean, you really just try to push yourself and, you know, I'm pushing myself every day just to, to be at the top and, you know, I'm, I'm going to, sh you know, shoot for that. And uh, if it doesn't happen, hey, it doesn't happen, but I'm, I'm definitely, definitely going to give it my all. I saw, I saw David Cabrera ride um, at Oakland a few years ago and the one thing I was amazed with Joe was 
there were horses that had no business winning that would win. And I would yeah. be like, this, this kid can ride. Ray Lou's the same way. Ray, there, there are times I'll look at a form and I'll be like, Ray Lou's on that horse. Okay. Doesn't look like it's got a shot, but you know it's got a shot because Ray Lou's going to give it its best and he's going to put him in a position to win. Albin does the same thing. You've put yourself with a bunch of riders that are pretty cerebral when it comes to race riding. Yeah, and, you know, that's, you know, like I said, part of the guy that I'm looking for when I do that. Uh, for instance, like for Houston, I didn't reach out to anybody else besides Ray Lou. So if he didn't come, I wasn't going to have anybody. You know, it was the only thing looking around. That I was like, all right, this makes sense for him. This makes sense for me, you know someone who's going to also sell themselves because I'm not there, you know, they're going to go around, they're going to meet the people, they're going to be charismatic, you know, they're going to have a good attitude about it and you need all that to start off good. And Ray Lou, how often, I mean, obviously, you know, you have to be there every morning. Um, what's the biggest difference between how they train in on the East Coast and than what they do here in, in Houston? Oh, it's, it's very different. I mean, it, well, from the major circuits, I, I think this is very different. Um, from where I grew up at Finger Lakes, it's really the same. Um, everyone has their own schedule. Usually on those East Coast big circuits, they, they breeze every seven days, and that's it. You know, in those outfits at Finger Lakes, back home, it's, it's whatever day that trainer or that horse is feeling like breezing, they're, they're out of the stall, and they're going three-eighths, half-mile. I feel like it is a bit like here, too. Uh, obviously, here you have outfits like Steve or Carl who are – huge outfits that you know have set schedules but you also have local people who train based on how their horse is feeling that day what are they what are they aiming towards maybe a race can go maybe a race doesn't go so you got to kind of prepare for both races and um I, i'll say i've been really spoiled in my career i mean when i was a bug boy in florida and when i was you know even when i was just riding in florida riding in new york i mean you really wouldn't see the riders you know you wouldn't see guys every day you would see them, especially in the winter, you'd maybe see the top guys um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Other than that, you know, you never went to the track. And um, same thing in Florida, you know, maybe Saturday, Sunday, you know. And so it's much different. I mean, here, just like, you know, like Finger Lakes, I mean, you see guys galloping, you see guys hustling, uh, breezing, or just, just out there, you know, talking every day. I mean, and that's something that I, you know, I was born and raised in it, and it's, I'm just trying to take it to my advantage of, you know, I've been able to ride with the best of the best in, in, in the Naira circuit, but I'm um, coming here. It's it, this track really feels like home, you know, the old, the one mile track, the surface and the backside just feel exactly the same. And just going barn to barn and just seeing if people need help that day. I mean, most of the time, you know, they say no, but you never know. Sometimes they say yes. And it's just making yourself uh, available, just being, you know, sincere and genuine about it like you want to help somebody and, and just being out there and the only thing it's going to do is benefit you I mean you know they haven't been racing for a while so you're gonna get fit out there you're gonna be out there so and I'm a new face and I want people to get to know me and of course I want to get to know them it's so it's so it's such an old school approach right Ray Lou you know it's like that's like what the old timers used to do you know they'd go out in the mornings they would do that I remember I remember um my sister used to go out and she would walk around the stable area at Hollywood Park in Santa Anita. She would go up to all the big name barns. She'd go to Gary Jones. She'd go to, she'd go over to Robbie Frankel. And every morning she'd ask whether or not they needed anything. And one day 
Robbie said, well, you can get on this horse. And she got on it and Robbie liked the way it, it, she rode him and was like, okay, well, I'll give you a shot on this horse. You know, you never know when you go to a big barn and they see you every day that you work hard and everything that it actually helps out. Absolutely. And I, I credit Jose for that. You know, we, we both spotted the same horse uh, coming up and, uh, you know, the track was closed on Sunday and, you know, we, we both were on the same page of let's go at least try and, you know, see if we can get this type of horse to ride it. And, uh, you know, fortunately, in, uh, it, it was able to work out and the track here is closed on Sunday. I, I didn't even know. So people were like, what are you doing here? But it doesn't matter to me. You know, I, I didn't come here to waste my time, Jose's time or anybody's time. I, I came here to work and, and do my best. So expect me to be out there every day. So what is your take on the difference with the Sam Houston services versus some of the services up in New York? Are they very different, similar? Well, I've, I've, I've skipped over the, the turf jogging. Um, the, the turf, I mean, kind of, it really just reminds me of Saratoga's turf. Yeah, that's a tight turf. And, uh, but I mean, obviously that, that's a shorter meet, Saratoga, eight weeks. This isn't that long of a media. That's only a couple months. So, and I'm sure the track will do a, amazing job taking care of it, but it's really tight. Um, that shoot is kind of like a, you know, like a Delaware park type of shoot. So I'm very comfortable with that. And uh, I really just skipping over it, jogging over it. It's thick, it's luscious. And I really like the turf. The one mile track, as far as like, you know, the poles go, it's what I grew up on. And, you know, that's, I'm super comfortable on this track. And what I do love about it is it dries up really quick. There was a storm the other day on a Wednesday, Thursday morning, you know, before the break, it was um, sealed after the break, blow harrowed, and it was, like, amazing, you know, it was, like, how did this track, you know, just become like that, and then the next day, Friday, that was, like, the perfect track, perfect moisture on it, and uh, just looking at the track, I think with my style of riding, I'm just gonna be really, really comfortable over it, I'm just gonna, I'm very confident. Awesome. The, the only, the only, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever ridden at Indiana Grand? I have not. Okay. So the only thing I would say is that if you catch that, you got to watch for that crosswind that happens in the afternoon sometimes when it gets really windy up there okay. because you're going into a headwind. And if you're not behind the leaders on the backstretch, your horses get tired. It's exactly like Indiana Grand where if you're right behind the horse, you're you drift up. Front, it's going to end up tiring you out and you want to kind of do that, that break. Cool. That's perfect. That fit another. Thank you. <laughs> Something you learn, right? Some NASCAR. Yeah, hey, Jose. <laughs> you know the one thing. The one thing that's always interesting. And I don't know if Caitlin knows this about Oakland Park, but the way Oakland people there's subtleties in Oakland Park's track that people have to get to know. And the one subtlety with Oakland Park is that they don't finish on a straightaway. They actually finish with a bit of an uphill climb. Right. Um, a, how good is it that you have a rider that's been there before? And B, um, how many of the trainers actually know that? Like Norm McKnight was, when he used to be out there, used to train his horses to where he wouldn't work his horses until the three-eighths pull to go half a mile so he could finish uphill into the seven-eighths pull. Yeah, there's a lot of people that do that here. They are. Okay. Yeah, that's a really popular move. Working horses here in the morning, finish at the seven eights bowl. I, I'd say probably. 
like 70% of the horses that work here finish at the seven eights pool. So it's no longer, it's no longer like yeah, that. Not much of a secret. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> not much. Maybe, maybe to the new shooters, but uh, if you've been here a while, you, they've, they've caught on to it pretty well. And you can actually see it when you're walking on the track, coming around, you can, it's pretty evident. Yeah. It, it, you can see it when you, when you enter from the, from the right side of the, what is it? Right, it's from the clubhouse turn. Yeah, when you're yeah. coming down that way, you can see that it's. You can definitely see it. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. And at Sam Houston, there really isn't. It's pretty flat. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, somebody was asking me about Belmont Park and why the, why the works are so slow on their training track. And I'm like, you guys realize there's no, like, give on, at the Belmont training track, right? It's. It's basically as flat as could be. So right. they kind of go slow into the turns, you know. Uh, but how do you like – now, you, you're going to love that turf course, Ray Lou. I'm going to tell you this right now. You're going to love that turf course. Mm. Everybody loves that turf course at San Houston. <laughs> yeah. That's and it, doesn't matter, it does not matter where you're at either. Yeah. I mean, I, I figured – I mean, watching replays, and you know, I spoke with Deshaun Parker quite a bit, and, you know, he was – he spoke really good about it. And as long as it's, it's fair, you know, looking back at last year, you know, hopefully it plays the same because you can be anywhere on the track, deep clothes or whatever. You got the, you got the trip, you got the horse, you got to feel the pace out and you're going to get the trip, you know? Yeah. That's, I, do you guys have anything lined up for uh, late for the, the carnival at the end of the month here at Sam Houston? Yeah. Yeah. We've got some horses lined up for sure. Uh, Turf Sprint, Ramo Quet's going to bring a horse named Firecrow. Probably end up on him. Uh, I've been talking with Pasto Gutierrez about Latruska for the Ladies Classic. So Latruska's coming out here? Yeah, yeah, she's going to be out there. Nice. Um, Brad Cox, yeah. the Texas Mile to me today. So definitely now, got the Mormon. Firecrow just ran at? At Delta, yeah. David just Delta. rode the other day at Delta. Yeah, Kind of a setup race for this one. He's a lot better on the grass as well. So, you know, yeah, I was kind of really, wondering why he was running them on dirt, but now I know. Yeah, it's a deep surface. You know, we were just trying to get him fit. He was as fit as he could possibly get. And, you know, David knows the horse well. So Ron asked him to go ride him and, you know, see where he was at. And he said that it should set him up pretty good for over there. You should, you should jokingly tell Ron that he needs to send Whitmore over here for the sprint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'd love it. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure Ray Lou would appreciate that as well. That'd be great. But for he's sure. an horse for sure, so he'll definitely be running at Oakland. That is one. That is one nice horse. Yeah, he's him. a badass. Um, Ray Lou, what what do you do on your downtime? I mean, obviously the city's new to you. Um, do you just kind of like relax, watch a lot yeah. of displays? I mean, uh, I don't know, like lately, like I've just been very just, you know, in my zone. I mean, this, these past couple months, I, I just bought a house in New York. So I've just, on my downtime in New York, I've just been doing housework and ripping out carpet and doing like lawn stuff. So, I, you know, my dog, so that's completely different mindset coming here. So, um, but I'm, I'm a big reader. Um, so I, I love reading books. I love just kind of just stay in my own space a lot. And, uh, so right now I'm just in my hotel and, uh, but definitely, you know, I'm enjoying the weather. I mean, it's just, it's too nice not to be outside. So I, I definitely have been walking around just because I'm in like a busier area. 
So I haven't been doing anything too fancy, but as far as like watching replays, just I'm not saying I'm, you know, gonna be a kiss ass and I, yeah, I watch replays all day. No, I don't. <laughs> you know, and I'm the same as everybody else. I studied my races, I do my diligence, you know, same thing as, you know, being in university and preparing for an exam, just, uh, you know, I, I, I see what I have to see. If I see a horse that I feel might ship in or might run soon, you know, I'll have a brief conversation with, with Jose and uh, that's about it. You know, I just, uh, just a normal Joe. How, how often do you watch race replays of yourself to, as far as that uh, Of myself? Mm, it has to be like a great day, like a couple of days that I've won four races or like a uh, steak or something. And literally of myself when I'm at the gym, just to be like, get that motivation on the treadmill. Like, yeah, I did that, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> other than that, I don't really watch myself. Like when I'm home, I'll watch my horse. If I happen to have rode him the previous time, great. If I did ride him the previous time, you know, in that aspect, I do appreciate that I went to college because I, I did take notes and I have like a binder like full of just like notes that I've horses that I've ridden. Um, but other than that, I just watch. I, I have a select group of jockeys that I watch. And uh, of course, I always watch, like I've watched a lot of replays of David and uh, Deshaun from here last year, Does it, you know, and, uh, but just, you know, just select group of riders that I usually watch instead. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come on. Jose, we're obviously going to try to get you on a lot more because, and you too, Rayleigh, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you got so many people that, that, that you hustle book, and I think they deserve, they deserve a place to be able to be recognized and, and, know that they're appreciated uh you know i make i'm expecting big things from ray Lou. i mean not i've already seen the form for the last two days for those races i think he's live in almost every single race and that's awesome yeah we were you know? able to pick up a couple extra ones too that came open recently so oh geez know, i wonder which ones those would be yeah, no i know and uh hopefully uh hopefully it plays out you know I think we got on some good ones. Uh, the first day we picked up that horse, it's nine to five for Team Hurley, Nova Notion. And then the second day we picked up one for Stidham. I think it's named Sprox Rumbler, a Vegas guy for Deodoro. And then Too Bad, So Sad for Calhoun. Yeah, that one of uh, that one of Stidham's, I'm like, wow, Mike Stidham's bringing a horse out here? Oh, that horse is live. Yeah, and then right. I saw who was on. I mean, we won't mention who it is. Um, but apparently Carl Broberg is trying to nominate him for the Texas. Yeah, Carl, board, he likes but... to joke around for sure. <laughs> yeah. Good old Twitter. Well, we thank you guys for being on with us. And that was Jose Santos and Rayla Gutierrez on the GOAT Zoom Room. Thanks, Thanks for Chris. having us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Another packed room here with uh, the goat zoom room and obviously it's been great obviously we enjoy the fact that we have you know jose sophie lindy rayleigh taking their time out and brian obviously giving us some words of advice when it comes to stable duel and you know as always it's always a pleasure to have a co-host like you that knows your stuff <laughs> we are the goats whether it be international or domestic racing i think we're the goats but i'm a bit biased also <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll be back next week with uh 
with Gina Bacola. Uh, that's what G said. And Kerry Thomas, hopefully we get him on and, and we can discuss some horse racing stuff. Yes, lots of breeding, lots of good things to come, but we will see you guys next week and we're looking forward to having you back in the GOAT Zoom room. Well, if you're if you're going to ask me, I think Analyza absolutely deserves to be the favorite. My only hesitation with him is, I mean, he's he's just kind of really had a lot of time off, kind of had some hiccups here and there. He, he was off for two years before, and now he's taken about four months off again. So I'm just kind of like, hmm. And his last race left a little bit to be desired. Um, I mean, granted, he was a little bit wide. But um, Analyze It really is the horse to beat in here. But I'm going to pivot elsewhere. I'm going to go ahead and go with Casa Creed. And I also really like a price in here on top. I'm going to go with the Seven Tusk at 15 to 1 for Safi Joseph. I think this horse can really move up. Interesting. I, I, I'm with you on the analyze it being the favorite. I mean, um, when when I was looking at these, I didn't have morning lines and I scrambled right before this to get the morning lines was not shocked to see him at two to one. Um, you know, with the with the almost two years off and coming back and running well, and then you're right about the last race, leaving a little to be desired. Um, maybe it was the ground. I, I you know, it looks like he had another bad race at Keeneland before then as well. So maybe he just doesn't like Keeneland. So maybe the firm ground at Gulfstream will give him a little shot. I mean, Chad Brown and Irad are always going to draw. There's not a ton of value here on that horse, especially if you're playing in your stable dual stable. Um, I did look for a little bit of value in uh, Irad's brother, Jose, he's riding Dr. Mountie. And I kind of, I kind of like that horse too. Um, yeah, you know, likes to run in the money. Seems to like Gulfstream Parks turf course. Um, never count out Suge, and I think you're getting ten to one on the morning line on him. So it's pretty favorable there if you want to play him in your stable. Um, and if you if you don't love analyze it, absolutely. Andy, what do you think? You know, I was looking at this race, and I'm like, you know, I like Casa Creed as far as my stable's concerned, even Dr. Mountie, because he's only $1,000 on the stable duel. Um, as far as anything else, I'm in the agreement. I think analyze it, something, you know, a horse that takes two years off, comes back, runs a good race, and then a bad race, and then goes back on the shelf for even a little bit of time is a big question mark. I actually mm -hmm. like the one admissions office with uh, Brian Lynch. And Julian Lemperu, I think this race sets up for him. Uh, you know, he's coming off of a win, going a mile and a half. He probably needs a little bit more distance, but, uh, you know, this is a good spot for him. And I think this race could set up for just the right, right spot. Absolutely. I agree with you. It was kind of hard for me <clears throat> to not take a really hard look at that one as well. I think it's kind of a wide open race, I would say. It is. I, I agree with that. Um, just kind of the things that shied me away. I, I'm kind of with you guys. The one and the two kind of stand out a little bit as horses that could run in the money. Um, the thing that shied me away from both of them is, you know, admissions office, the one he's, he started four times. He's run second twice, no wins at Gulfstream. So that kind of, it's seven to two. I'm either trying to go pure chalk with analyze it or go for a bomb with Dr. Mountie there and, and Casa Creed. The only thing that scared me about that horse is it didn't win at all last year. It didn't even run second last year. So it's like, 
is eight to one that much value on it? But I could see either one of them winning it. Like you said, wide open, um, good riders on their back. So you never know. Definitely, Definitely. agree with all of that. So let's go over to the well, Santa Anita. We... Yeah, I was just going to say, let's go to the La Cunata Stakes, <laughs> grade three. Man, what a fall from grace this stakes race is. I remember when Akinamod won this race, Bayakoa. There was some really tough fillies running in this race, and now it's all the way to get grade three. Favorite, obviously, is Fighting Mad here at nine to five. Uh, but I really like Hard Not to Love. It's kind of hard not to like this filly. She always runs her race, and I think that she's she's in a good spot to where she can she can run really really well here. Um, you know. I would absolutely agree here. <laughs> it, it, it's hard for me to look Sorry. past either of those two. The only other horse that I would maybe give a look would be Proud Emma, just based off of previous experience. She's a pretty good horse, has run into Hard Not to Love and Fighting Mad and ran fourth. You know, maybe she gets a better trip, is in the Peter Miller barn. So, I mean, you know, we'll see. One in grade three last out. She would be the only other horse that I would really give it give a look to in here other than the big two yeah um by the way just to say since i'm here from stable duel we have a big ten thousand dollar game uh on this card so uh make sure you get in that ten thousand guarantee um you know it's funny i, I think there's a ton of pace in this race um i think fighting mad's going to be probably on the lead um, Baffert's other horse looks like it probably wants to be on the lead, but it's not as fast as Fighting Mad. I can't imagine him sending both horses right out of the gate um, and burning one up. But there, you know, I think Miss Stormy D is going to try to get on the lead. So I think a lot of horses want the lead here. Um, I kind of went, you know, if I'm going chalky, you know, hard not to love. I've got some concerns about that horse as well. Um, I guess what I'd really like to see, I, I'm kind of intrigued by Proud Emma as well. I, uh, you know, I, like you said, I, I think the style of race sets up perfectly for this horse. My concern is, is this horse good enough? And, and I'm not sure it is. It seems to be just a hair below this level of horses. Um, it ran fourth behind Hard Not to Love and Fighting Mad already once. I'd like to go back and watch that on video and, and see how that race set up to see if there was a lot of pace in it or if there was none at all. Um, you know, sometimes these little comments can lie and not tell the whole story. So um, it's six to one. I think you get some pretty good value there. Again, horse likes to be in the money and it's six to one. You're going to get a much better value for your stables. If uh, you go with proud Emma over hard, not to love or fighting mad. But I, I think it's between those three. I don't think you can make a case for much else in this race. Absolutely agree with you there. Well, uh, let's go to the next one. Okay. All right, Andy, I'll let you take it away first. Tell me what you think. Uh, this is a six furlong turf course, uh, turf race, uh, the La Cienega 100,000 added grade three, another race that's lost its value as far as graded, uh, races and obviously everyone is going to be looking at Alexandra she didn't run her race the other in the Breeders Cup on November 7th against the boys gets back with the Phillies I think she's with the Phillies here let me just double check mm -hmm. 
she is back with the Phillies. Um, the one knock on her is she hates she she is so far out of it early. Um, she has so much stuff to do in the race that it's kind of hard to really feel comfortable in a small field like this. Um, I kind of like a little price here, and I like uh, Flavian Pratt, Richard Mandela, and Superstition at six to one. If you play stable duel with it, it's a five thousand uh, dollar play, so it's pretty good. Nice. I like it. I still got to go with my girl, Alexandra. She she is out of it early, but you toss out what she did in the Breeders' Cup um, turf sprint. Still got an 87 for a ninth place finish. She made up a little bit of ground off slow, got bumped, lugged around a lot, ran a horrible race. Take that, that race out in 2019-2020 were great for her, aside from those races. So even though she does need to make up a lot of running I, I really really like her in the spot I like Joel Rosario on her um so yeah we'll, we'll see what happens the only thing unless she was really ready but she's just she's a little speed bond I I don't know I, I just I think I'm gonna give Alexandra the edge to, to or this weekend <laughs> <laughs> okay well I guess it's me versus you then um I'm with Andy a little bit on superstition kind of intrigues me for some value there. Um, if I'm playing a stable dual stable, which I'm not because I can't, but if I could, I'm probably playing superstition for sure, just because I think you're getting some value on it. And and there is some upside there, lightly raced, starting to improve, keeps improving, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, with Alexandra, I love her. <laughs> I've, I've bet on her quite a few times in a row now including the turf sprint, which uh, she winning in. But, you know, it, it is what it is with that. The only thing I, I just head-to-head, Jolie Olympica's beat, beat her. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say she's probably going to go out there and try to do it again. Um, I do. Joelle's probably one of the best turf sprint riders in the country, I think. I, I never have a bad ride from him. Um, and turf sprints, and that's what I love watching. So, you know, but then again, Mike Smith's not going to give you a bad ride either. So Mike Smith's got a pretty good clock. He's not going to burn burn her up. And, you know, her speed figures seem to be a little better than Alexandra. So I know it's a hair less. It'll be interesting to see how the betting public goes because they'll probably just hammer those two, and you're going to get even more value elsewhere. But I think it's probably between those two, and we're watching, uh, you know, a match race, if you will. I can, I can definitely see that happening. The other thing I can also see is Mike deciding that he wants to take back on Jolie Olympica and let earlier speed because I don't think Mike is real comfortable on the lead. I think he would rather let the horses kind of relax and go into the race, and sometimes that's to his detriment. And so I'd rather see if, if Umberto or Joao was on this horse or even Flavian, I would be more more inclined to say yes but um you know without it it's kind of hard not to yeah and that was, and one my, that was my thought as well i just like go ahead no you're fine go ahead sorry you're i think you're delayed a little bit but go ahead yeah i i probably am i was gonna say that was the first thing i thought when i looked at the entries was I, I know he's her regular writer and i like the two together but at the same time i don't 
for the way her running style is. I don't know. It's kind of complicated because she is 100% best on the lead, but she can also run a little bit off the pace, but I don't want to see her too far back. Yeah. Um, I, I can agree with you there. I, and like Andy said, I don't, I don't know that Mike does his best work on the lead. I think, you know, and, and he's smart enough. He's going to look at this and decide what's going to be best for the horse. And, you know, his track record speaks for itself. One horse that did kind of intrigue me in here, too, that I didn't mention, the two, Charmaine's Mia. 15 to 1, she's got a new trainer. She's been working pretty well. I know she hasn't run anywhere close to this race. But, again, 15 to 1 on the morning line. And uh, I'm not sure if you're all aware, the three acting out's already scratched. So, yeah. so you're looking at a one, two, three, six-horse field. This is one in stable duel. If you like favorites elsewhere, you could probably hammer Superstition and Charmaine's Mia in here, and you're going to get positive points because of the short field, as long mm -hmm. as one doesn't run way, way back. So, I mean, if I'm playing a stable here, I'd probably take those two and try to look for, for more better chalk earlier in the card. That makes, sense. that makes so much sense. That's a great play there. Agreed. Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian, for taking the time to be with us and discuss these races with us. And uh, again, it's the $10,000 stable duel at Santa Anita on Saturday. And hopefully a lot of people enter so we can have some fun and enjoy ourselves. Yep. Thanks, guys. See you. Have a good one. Thanks, Caitlin.